And we're gonna we're gonna begin. So I'm gonna pray. Um, Father, thanks for Sunday. Thanks that we could come learn uh, um, uh, learn in Sunday school and learn things of you. Uh, help us to think deep and uh, be with us as we discuss. Uh, love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're still uh, talking about the incommunicable uh, traits of God. And so today we're talking about uh, the eternity and omnipresence of God. So pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just sat there, sat there for a couple of days just thinking about like one of these, or just the idea of it. And, you know, like, I don't know, I just still haven't fully grasped it. So we're going to talk about it. I'm going to, uh, I'll help present it to you guys. And then we're just going to discuss and um, see... Uh, different views on certain things and uh, just kind of work through the logic of of the eternity and omnipresence of God. Um, uh, so when we talk about the eternity and omnipresence, we're talking about two things. We're talking about God in space and time, right? So philosophical, right? Uh, so we're going to touch on God in time first. So God eternal. All right, so. Green. God. God in uh, relationship to time. Um, okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to read through, uh, we're going to read through the, just a, a bunch of these verses first um, for this first section, and then uh, we'll, I'll present the two di- um, differing views, and then we're just going to talk and, and discuss, all right? So we'll start with Kim, and then we'll just work, uh, work our way around. So. so start with, but you? Yeah. Okay. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. To him be glory in the <coughs> church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, to the, to the King eternal of, all, of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hannah. The Lord is King forever and ever. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. John. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, <coughs> Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Thanks. Uh, Evie, can you read that? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is uncertain. Um, behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. Almost there. That much. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Mm-hmm. I am okay. the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And Eric, the last uh, one, Revelation 20. I am the author and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Okay, cool. 
But yeah, I guess hope you guys were paying attention to. Uh, if not, just look at um, just the bold and just how <laughs> how it kind of talks about uh, God in in uh, respected time. And okay, so there there are two two main views, right? So this is so I'm going to present the classical Christian view is that God uh, is out of time, right? He transcends time. He's timeless, right? Okay, so we have God in time. So God is. So this is a classical view, right? God uh, is timeless. Um, uh, and then the second view oops, is that God is everlasting, but He's within time. God is everlasting within time. Cool. So these are two views. Does that make sense? Is there more? All right, so I'm going to toss it out to you guys. Like, when you guys read um, these passages... Well, can you explain a little bit the difference yeah. between the two? So, okay, so God is timeless, transcends time. So God... So um, so when we say... Oh, let's start with this one, because this makes more sense in, in our minds, right? So when we say God is everlasting within time, we're saying that He's eternal, right? We all know that God has existed before there was time, right? Well, that... I don't know how to explain it, but... Okay, so let's just say... Let's just say this line goes on forever, right? And this is time. God is exists within time, but it's there's no end. There's no begin. There's begin. No beginning. No end. Right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So God is in here, right? Let's say God in time. And then when we say God is timeless and He transcends time, right? So we say this is time. And then God. Let's say God. So this is. When, when time began, that's when creation began, right? So we say God is outside of time, right? God is here. Um, so, does that make sense? No. Jeff, uh, what, what do you need? Uh, what is your <laughs> the pressure's on you, Harry. You explain it. <laughs> I don't see a difference. Okay, okay. So God is timeless. He transcends time. He's, this is time. This is history, right? Time as, uh, as we know it. Succession of t- uh, of events, right? So beginning, so creation, or this will make sense. Creation, right? That's zero. Yeah. This is before this. There's no time. Oh, I see your point. Creation, and then here's us, right? Us, eternity. Sorry, messy. Okay. Does it make sense? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so God is not within here. God is above. Oh, he transcends okay. time, right? So this one, we're saying that here's creation, but God is. There was time before that, right? Does that make sense? So are you saying that in the second view, yeah. God experiences time the yes. way we experience time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like 1950, He's God's there. like looking at Earth and He sees like right. people doing, you know, the twist and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> and then, and then he 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 experiences time. So that a year passes, and then 20 years passes, like the 1970s. Yeah. So that he's he's experiencing the passage of time, right? With as we progress in history, like with us. So the only that, difference is that he never dies, right? right like the right. way we and he doesn't change. We obviously know he doesn't uh, like um, uh, what Eric spoke about. He's immutable. He doesn't change. So um, so does that make sense? So these are these but are like now. How is the first view different than God experiencing time? How is the first view different than that? Okay. Like, like, so the 1950s, yeah. in the second view, 
he sees the 1950s. Right. And then he has to wait 20 years to see the 1970s. Right, right. Right? How is that different than... I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, but we'll maybe... We'll maybe... <laughs> We'll talk about that, but um, let me. These are the two views first. I wanted to present it, and then, uh, and we're just going to talk about just kind of the different uh, arguments for each, whatever, and then we'll talk about questions like that. So, um, so if that makes sense to everybody, um, when you read when you read uh, these passages that we just went through, uh, what is it? It sounds. It certainly sounds like that God is in time, right? If you look at it, it sounds like okay. It sounds like he's within the confines of time. Because right, the, just the language that's being used, um, like right, uh, like throughout all generations, forever and ever, right. So he's talking. It just, it just really sounds like this, uh, that God is just exists forever and ever through time. Um, and so, how, how do you guys think? Uh, how do you guys think that this became more of the classical? This is like Augustine and Aquinas. He, they they, they follow this this line of view, um, and all most of the uh, this is the m- more popular view by far. Um, and so, how do you guys think that as we read this, how do you think that they came up to here? Does that make sense? How do you think that people began to think that God is timeless and that that He transcends time? Anybody want to take a shot and just work through the logic behind that? Does that question make sense? Well, it doesn't change the character of God. It just changed how you define time. Right, right. But we're just talking about like how people got to this, how people got to this characteristic. I wouldn't get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, it kind of looks, I mean, it kind of seems like if we're talking about God as, like, sovereign and, like, all-knowing, yeah. then, like, in that way, it seems that, like, God would, like, it seems to make sense that God would, like, have, like, this view of time, which is, like, where he already sees, like, all of time, like, he's outside of time. Right. Right. Whereas if he's, like, inside time, it's, Mm. So you're saying the second one constrain him to like, we'll put him in a constraint. The second view. Yeah. Jeff says constraint, right? Because so, so Jeff says it, this. I will say constrains or limits him, right? Does that make sense? Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, so the, when we think about God, uh, this way. We're like, okay, we're putting him in time, and so he's he's more he experiences time as we experience time in a sense, right? And so it definitely limits him and, and just puts him in a box, so to say, right? Yes. Also, I was wondering, um, you know, where he says like, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, yeah, the beginning and the end." I feel like that kind of can imply that he. Like he, he's not just saying like, oh, I was the Alpha and I'm going to be the mm-hmm. Omega, but he's saying like, I am the beginning and the end, the yeah. first and the last. Like that in his current state, he encompasses everything uh, that he's outside of time. So he's not just mm-hmm. saying like, yeah. back then I will, I was, or I will be in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, and then uh, um, uh, the uh, I was reading uh, um, Grudem, and he, uh, he's a other systematic theology book that he, he's writing and so um, he says his logic behind it is that um, that he uses uses the idea of, of physics right when God we know that God created earth right so God creates earth right here so without creation without matter and without 
without matter, there is no space. And without space, there's no time, right? So, and God is certainly outside of that. So he, he created everything, right? So before this, he was, um, he was out of time. Otherwise, he would be in space. Does that make sense? Oh, I see your point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he uses just the, uh, just the laws of physics, I guess, to, to kind of uh, get to this idea that God um, transcends time. Uh, any other questions or comments on this? And we'll, we'll keep talking about this, but I just want to ask you guys, does that make sense so far? So is one right and the other one wrong, or is it both? Uh, kind of it's, it's debatable, but <laughs> this one's the classical one. And, and that's, I, um, I kind of looked it up, and they, they've had, like, uh, uh, gatherings where, like, these the- theologians just, like, uh, meet for this very reason, just for this, for, for this argument of whether God is timeless or God is within time. And so... But what's, what's the answer to the theologians who hold the second view to the that God is constrained? So if God is in 1950, yeah. does he not know what's in 1970? Yeah, they, they say that just God is able to foresee. So he, in a sense, like sees in the future and he knows what's going to happen. Um, that's that's their answer. It's, it's a little bit weak. Um, and then uh, Raymond, another uh, uh, theologian, he writes, his, his three points are that one is literal, right? We see the the literal reading of of these passages, and it's like it certainly sounds like God is in time, right? It doesn't say God transcends time or God is timeless. So that's one of his his main argument, and he also uses um, the idea that if God is timeless, how does he experience? Like yet he lives uh, in he lives uh, in this uh, in the they say that God is. It lives within this time because it sounds like God acts in time. He, he, uh, he sees time, and, and and so he's within time. So how you know it's it kind of contradictory. So what if he's both? Yeah, yeah both. he's both constrained. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk more about that. I mean, God yeah. became a man. So mm-hmm. yes, you want to tease that out further for us? <laughs> so both then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll read. Uh, we'll touch on that. We'll read uh, the second section. Um, well, I mean, can I ask? Yeah. About the first view, are there any um, arguments against the first view in terms of the weaknesses of the first view? Hmm. Um, no. Raymond just says uh, says that it's contradictory to the text. Yeah, to the text, and also that he can't. He li- not, Yeah. It's certainly it's, it's definitely based off the text because it says God is existing uh, throughout time or uh, um, yeah <laughs> exists throughout time and so it just doesn't sound like it's time so th- yeah this, this that's his main argument is that it's mainly a, a textual yes if God transcends time mm-hmm. um, how is it possible that God still influences our lives if He's yeah. beyond what we're in. If God transcends time, how is He yeah. still able to influence our lives if He is outside mm-hmm. of where we're living? Yeah, and, and so we see that um, just throughout history, we see. Uh, here, let me, let me present it this way. Okay, so you guys see this. Alright, um, right, let's read this second part real fast and then it, it goes directly to what John is talking about, kind of what. what uh, uh, Jeff is talking about. 
Okay, so we'll read uh, Psalm 90. Uh, uh, can we have uh, Karen? Can you read that for us? Psalm 92 to 4. Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and Tim, can you read uh, that second part, Second Peter? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some counsel on this, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Yeah, thanks. And so we see that God sees time very differently, differently, right? And so this view, this God is timeless, right? We say, um, okay, we see that okay, here's God, right? And then we see uh, this timeline. Well, this was kind of recruit, sorry. The creation. And then uh, Jesus, right? And then us, right? So because we say we because God is we say that He's outside of time, um, then how can He directly influence us? So He sees uh, what's going on here is that we see because God is out here, He sees that everything, everything that has happened, um, that is happening, and that is going to happen, He sees it as, in the sense that it's already it's present for Him. Um, how do we say? Uh, so we say basically he, it's already happened. It, not that it's already happened, but it's present for him. Does that make sense? It's, it's really the, the language is really really weird. And the, the idea like I couldn't fully. I still haven't fully like grasped this this idea. Um, but he sees this stuff, right? He sees everything here, and it's present for him. Like it's right there now, right? So he see um, he sees this just as vivid as where we are right now. Um, does that make sense? So it gets a little confusing. Um, and then we'll, let's see. Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, um, even as I was reading through kind of this, this thought, I, I was still getting confused. And then C.S. Lewis gives an example, right? He gives an example of how, uh, he, and this is a flawed example, but he uses it, right? So Lewis says that um, it's kind of like, think of it like, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a reader of a book, right? And then he's reading the book, right? Here's a book. <laughs> okay, we'll just say book. <laughs> oh. Alright, anyways. So th this person is reading a book, right? And then, so he's reading, reading, reading. So we're reading this book here. And then, um, although, and you finished the book, right? And although you, you've read the book, you... Uh, you know what happened from beginning to end, yet you're not within that time. But it's flawed because even as you read this, like you're in time. So that's why it's, con it's really confusing in a sense. But does that make sense how um, this sort of touches on that? It's, it's kind of uh, uh, more to the idea of this. I don't know. Does that make sense? I don't know. It might be confusing. Yeah, so it seems like 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 time or all of history is like a book for God and he can like see anything. But it's not even just like a book because he's not just like passively reading it, but he's 
right. engaged in the yeah. story. He's like affecting the story mm-hmm. as it unfolds on every page or something. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I'm just that that was helpful. Analogy. It's helpful or not helpful? Helpful. Oh, okay. You have a thought? No, I'm oh, just, no. I've heard the other analogy that God is not the reader but the author of the, the book. Right. And yeah. we're like the characters in the book. Right, right. Yeah. Definitely. It's just but the idea. <laughs> <laughs> the idea. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts or questions on this? I know it's, it's pretty confusing. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, so our, our thought is that God is not within time um, because he, that confines him, but that he's out, outside of time. And even trying to grasp that is like, like really ridiculous. Um, and yeah, I, I think when, when we look at it this way, you just see God as being more sovereign uh, in the sense that he's, he just has everything under control. Already. Everything has already happened for him, yet, it, yet he's in the present, you know. Um, so it gets really philosophical that way. Um, any questions on that? No. It's kind of confusing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it raises like so many questions. Uh, kind of uh, one that uh, John presented, and and just how how does God? So if God is present in all situations, the past, present, and future, then is that does that mean He's experiencing all the you know like the pain of Jesus, the the um, you know the beauty of creation, and just everything everything for going forward all at the same time, you know? And it gets really confusing, and that's still I don't I don't know I still have a have kind of have a lot of trouble just wrapping my mind around that. Um, so yeah, just, there's so many questions that come up with just the idea of this. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> Everyone has a blank face. <laughs> makes, sense. makes sense. Well, what about um, rather than God being eternal, mm-hmm. um, if God is within time, since he is God, can it not be that he's in time, he's experiencing time, mm-hmm. but that he can time travel. He doesn't even have to time travel, but that he um, has such a perfect understanding of everything so that uh, he can see creation, he can see right, the right, past, right. and he can see the future in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the reality. The reality is the present time. Right. Him, but uh, all those things he can still perceive, I guess. So... What's the uh, what's the in, uh, so then God in time versus God outside of time? Mm-hmm. You're still getting the same effect, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You want to interact with that or have any thoughts about that? Uh. <laughs> so you're saying there's not really a fundamental difference between God mm-hmm. being transcendent versus God being master? I actually do think there's a fundamental difference. But you're you're referring you're to arguing. God mastering time. What you're saying is like he's like he's in time, but he's mastered time, so to speak, that he can move freely in time. Sure, he's within time, he's bound within time, right. but uh, he's not like us where we only experience the moment. Like we're subject to right the constraints of time. Even us, mm-hmm. we do have some sense 
Like I can picture yesterday, so I can see it fairly vividly. But God is, you know, infinitely smarter, so He sees the vividness far more vividly. Yeah, um, and so maybe that's sufficient. And I can't see the future, but I can have a fair guess of what tomorrow will look like. Well, yeah. Yeah. The sun will rise, and sure, exactly. the sun will be alive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so does that not overcome the, the difficulty? I actually still think um, God is above time, and there's a substantial difference. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yes. Uh, any thoughts to you guys? <laughs> I'm not sure how that means, how that, because John's question is basically like, how does God act if it were the case? Mm. And what we're, I guess what, what you're saying is, if, even if God does, is so, has such a great mental capacity that he can like envision the future perfectly, right. does that mean he's, I mean, that still doesn't imply that he can influence anyone. Yeah, because if God is eternal, right, mm. and God is acting, n- there is no present for God, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's all present. There's no past, there's no future, right? So for God to act in the past and God to act in the future is the same to him, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, because when you're Doesn't in that time, mean for us that at any point in time, the past could change? That's what I'm saying, right? What? So I think, I think the, the philosophical problem with God being above time is how does God even act, mm-hmm. right? right? Because it's all the same. I mean, to it use like Star Trek language, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that mess with the spice, space-time continuum, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so that God in time makes so much more rational sense because God could only act in the present. Unless God constrains himself, like we're saying, that he chooses not to change the past. But there is no could. past. There is no past of God to him. eternal. I mean, yeah. in our reference to, in reference to us, he does not change our past. No, but there is not even a reference to us, because we're us. Oh, you're I saying mean, our reality doesn't count? Wait, wait, wait. How is there no past for God? Like, what do you mean by that? If God transcends time, then <laughs> everything is already there, yeah. so there's no, no he's past. he's always there, there's but no there is future. still a past and present. No, there isn't. There is for us. There is there, right. There's for us, but not well, for no, God. No, but, but it's even deeper than that, because there's, there is a past and there's a, and there's a future for us at each snapshot moment of time. So there is no reference point. All time is visible all at once, and therefore there is no past, future, or present. So God has to dumb down <laughs> to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. So, so God in time makes a lot more logical sense because God could only mm, affect mm. one time. <laughs> right, right. One, he could only act in the present, right? Because if God is in time, the past is already done. He cannot change it. So you're saying he influences time? Well, he influences the future by acting in, in the, the present. present, right? And because he's so brilliant, he doesn't have to ever he sees go back. Fifty and, million steps ahead. Right. He's, he's yeah. He sees fifty million steps ahead, so he doesn't have to do time wide out. Go back into the past, mm-hmm. right, and change things. It's every, everything's already set, but he only acts in the present, and he changes the future only by acting in the present. It seems like a weird workaround. Well, <laughs> I, I still think that God is eternal. I'm just, I'm just playing yeah, devil's advocate I, right now. I, yeah, I definitely see it that way. I don't see it that as being in time, and he's basically some kind of super chess master. Right, 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 like, right. It seems like a weird workaround. <clears throat> it's a much cleaner explanation to just say God sees everything as present. And can essentially and essentially has uses this omnipotence to but then does, act accordingly. But doesn't that mean you can mess with the space time? Yes, it does. But since he's God, he does the right thing and does not. <laughs> All right, let me give you a quote from Berga. <laughs> the relation of eternity to time constitutes one of the most difficult problems in philosophy and theology. 
perhaps incapable of solution in our present condition, right? So yeah, certainly we can. We have these uh, these ideas. We can work through the the logic behind whatever view we hold. But um, yeah, it's just it's just so hard to grasp. Like even as you guys were talking, I just got a little lost. But, uh, <laughs> but I understood, you know. But um, so it's 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 really crazy just how you know how God can be outside of time. Like how can we even explain that? Because we're explaining this as though we're in time and. You know, like, and so we're super finite in our thoughts, right? So God is above time, ideas, it's like super great, right? Um, I will move to space, uh, God in space, and then we'll just we'll ask more questions, and uh, we'll talk about that. Um, so we'll skip this uh, part where oh, we'll just really quickly. God, God's name is Yahweh, right? So it just means that uh, I am that I am, right? Yahweh, and it speaks. This is the uh, Exodus. Three talks more about his faithful presence with um, and his promise to be with his people, right? Uh, but also, his name talks about his uh, immutability and also his uh, his eternal characteristics, right? He just is. Right? That's that's who God is, right? Uh, so we'll just skip through that briefly, and then uh, we'll talk about God in space, um, and this is his omnipresence, right? So we have God in space. All right. So we also know that God transcends space, right? He's out of space. Um, but we know, okay, so we call it, we'll say he's immanent. Immanent meaning he's, he's, just ev- uh, he's everywhere, right? And then uh, um, he's omnipresent. Omnipresent. <coughs> Which is, he's... Imminent meaning he's he's huge. He's um, he's not con- he's uncontainable, right? Omnipresent meaning yet he's at the same time personal. He's uh, he's everywhere, um, not just in parts. Meaning like he's just not a body. His hands here, his his feet over here, but that he's uh, very present in every place, right? So let's we'll go through a few of these verses. Um, Eric, can you read First uh, Kings? Oh, you're already read. Uh, um, Eggman, can you read First uh, Kings for us, eight twenty-seven? So will God indeed dwell on the earth? Mm-hmm. Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less is how I built? Thanks, Tommy. Can you read the next one? And then Jim. Uh, yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is in my, is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or what is the place of my rest? The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Yeah, thanks. So we see here that God is uncontainable. Right? He says, "He says uh, the earth is His footstool." Right. Um, so He's in heaven. So let's pretend this is heaven, and here's the earth. And the, so, he, with just the idea that that the earth is uh, His footstool, and and that He He His throne is in heaven, right? Um, yeah, even as we think of that, he's we're seeing him um, in space, right? Uh, but uh, this doctrine says that God is above all of that, and the language that that's being used here is just more so that yeah, so we can relate, so that we can connect, uh, to and just somewhat grasp the idea that how big he is, right? Um, so we see that he's uncontainable, right? He's he's just beyond any circles, right? So he's just 
it's just everywhere. Right. Uh, yeah, at the same time, when we look at uh, the next page, then we see that he's imminent. He's oh no, he's fully present and personal in all places, right? And so we we also don't want to we also want to be aware of not thinking that um, all of creation. I'll say this is all crea- creation. Uh, he's he's everywhere. He's all he's uh, he dwells. Uh, I'll say he's he's present everywhere. Uh, yet at the same time, he's separate from it, right? He's just intimate with his creation. So, so we have to be aware that he's uh, the uh, thought that he's he is creation, right? That's pantheism, pantheism, right? So pantheism says that everything is just everything that exists is a part of God, right? It's not a part of him; it's just his creation. So these are two separate things, right? Um, and also, we have to be careful not to equate. This uh, idea that God just, just to that God, uh, God is there, and that God just uh, creates things and then winds the clock and just lets it run. Right? He's not just this guy, uh, this guy that just uh, creates it and then takes a step back and just lets it do it. He's fully, he's fully present. He's fully um, intimate and sovereign over all creation. Right? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, any questions on on that? I know there's so much more to talk about, but another confusing subject. What's that? This is another confusing subject because <laughs> I know I've heard people say that you can't say that like God's not in this table, but if God's not in this table, how does that make Him omnipresent? You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Yeah, because we're saying He's not the creation itself, so you right. can't say He's in this table. Right, right. But then how so do you he, say that he's everywhere if he's not in this table? Hmm. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any thoughts on Jeff's comment? I think uh, that difference is saying that the table is not mm-hmm. like a part of God. God exists present, independent of the table. Whereas uh, the other thing in pantheism says that like everything is a part of that. So that when you're like killing trees, you're like killing God. Um, mm-hmm. But God is everywhere in the sense that like even though the table isn't God, God <laughs> still can be where the table is. Yeah. <laughs> in the moment, right? Yeah. Right. He's he's everywhere. Well, yeah. He's everywhere, yet he's separate. Yeah, like kind of just the, the emphasis is that God is not the table. Right? He's 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 here. He's present, but he's not a part of it. The table is not a part of him. Right? These are separate things. Um, let me just read Jeremiah for us. Am I God at hand? Declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not feel heaven and earth? Um, and a couple of these verses just talk about how. Uh, if I ascend, Psalm 139, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. So God is everywhere. Right? He's in heaven. He's in uh, in Sheol. Um, yeah, at the same time, we see that and we, uh, a question comes up also that, okay, the Holy Spirit indwells in us as believers, right? Um, and then we also see uh, other verses. Uh, if we look on the right side of the page, on the last page, um, Let's just read the bold of John 
1423 in the middle of the page. Um, I'll, I'll just read the whole thing. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Right? Uh, Isaiah 59. Like separation, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Proverbs 15. The Lord is far from the wicked. Um, James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So the, the language is that even though we know God is everywhere, right? That God is omnipresent. Um, the idea is that, the idea like when, when God says he's going to, he's far from the wicked, is that he's still there, but he He doesn't manifest his blessings um, in in that area. So so we see that like in heaven, right? When we go to heaven, then he's going he's gonna to dwell with us, right? In Revelations, it says that, uh, um, that we're going to be with him and that uh, um, that the dwelling place is there and, and that he's going to be with his people. And so the idea that is that God is everywhere, but he manifests himself um, in blessings and, and in curses. He's, uh, uh, he makes his presence not there, in a sense, you know, yet he's there. Does that make sense? Um, any thoughts or, or questions on that? I know we kind of rushed through that. Yeah, I don't. So, so for me, when I was studying this, I mean, there's so much to think through um, and think about, but. Um, but I just felt like a lot of times I just, I just blanked out <laughs> in the sense that uh, I don't fully, I still don't fully grasp um, just this doctrine, you know. Um, and it just really speaks of just how how incomprehensible God is, I guess. Um, and so we see, we can work around this, uh, the text. We could be like, okay, let's make, God is this way, this way, this way. Um, ultimately, it's just so hard to grasp the idea of God. Um, but yeah, God is God in time and space is definitely like really philosophical sounding and um, just hard to grasp. Uh, but any thoughts from from you guys? Yes, Jeff. Um, I guess just for me, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. to imagine that God <laughs> transcends time because, like you said. Uh, if that is the case, then there's a book that's already written, and then in that sense, everything is already planned, right. and then it really doesn't matter what I do because it's already been like written by God already. Yeah. It's kind of a bit. Like, it doesn't matter. But the choices that I make doesn't really matter. So it makes you feel like right. I don't have free will, even though it feels like I do. I don't really have it because it's already written out, and it's a little bit existentialist. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, that's that's another doctrine that we can talk about, like just God's sovereignty and, and just uh, free will. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And I don't know, you guys have any thoughts on that? Because I haven't fully myself fully teased that out in my own mind. Um, I don't think you can fully understand how, how human will and God's will, how they coincide. <clears throat> In one sense, you're you're fully responsible for what you do, and you can, I guess, alter some of your decisions and your, your future. But then God's in fully, He's in control. Not only is He in control, He's active. Right. 
And yet, I know there's a famous line that people say that he, what was it? God is foreordains everything that comes to pass, but he's not the author of sin. But he's not responsible. How can he be actively involved in it, <coughs> but he has no responsibility over sin? And in that case, I feel like the idea that God is everlasting is a little bit more, like, makes more sense to me, because if we're not the author, sin, author of sin, if God's not the author of sin, then he he's with us, and then he's, like, every choice that he makes, he'll know what happens as a result of our choice, and then he plans accordingly, so his plan would change according to the decisions that we make. So if he is, you know, everlasting with us, but he's just able to foresee what's going to happen. So that's how he stays active. See, there's like, so some of us, we've been reading through Acts, and then in the beginning of Acts, when Peter's preaching, he kept, kept on saying, you crucified Christ. And yet he also said this was God's plan for Christ to suffer. Mm -hmm. So how do you wrestle, how does that align with each other? <laughs> There's a pastor here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is Harry's class. I want to say that by <clears throat> placing Jesus into earth, like he he knows like our actions by because like, he foresees what's going to happen like placing Jesus in there. That's how he knows that Jesus would be crucified and by then what happens afterwards. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just speculating. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Eric, any thoughts on that? I know you're... Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, this this discussion can go on like really long. Just the idea of of how God sees everything. He already has everything laid out and planned. Uh, yet, how do we live? Right? How do we? For you, it says, okay, yeah, it can feel like we have free will, but it's not really. You know, like it's not really if God already has everything laid out, right? Um, and so, yeah, this. I feel like this discussion can go a really long time, um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for words right now. Michael, Michael, would you <laughs> like to um, tease that out a little bit for, for John? I, yeah, I think everyone, of course, is struggling because um, the Bible doesn't give us uh, a spelled out answer. Um, and the reason why is because it's a mystery. Um, that's not a cop-out answer because um, the Bible does say that God is the ultimate author of all things. And so God does foreordain everything that comes to pass. Um, God has written the future. Um, but, like Jeff says, God, the Bible continually talks about us being responsible. Um, and we do have a will. No one's forcing you to do anything. You're always choosing to do what you want to do. Um, and so we're not robots. We're not puppets. Um, God gives us the freedom to act as we wish, and yet He has written everything. Um, those are... Uh, positions that the Bible holds in tension. I think that's the best way to think about it. Uh, they're somewhat irreconcilable in our minds. We can't um, resolve them, but they're both true. So God is ultimately sovereign. And I think maybe a practical way to think about it is we don't know what God's sovereign will is, 
And so we should act and live as if we're in control, because we are, but only within our only within our framework. But we don't have God's we don't have God's perspective. So it's not like we can feel helpless. You know, it's like oh, everything is written. Oh, really? Then what's going to happen tomorrow? You know, or or you know, if if uh, if if you think that everything's foreordained, then just sit, lay in your bed, and do nothing. See what happens. Yeah. Um, you will slowly decay. Yeah. Another good example is like if we're if God already have everything laid out and is sovereign, He knows who's gonna uh, be saved and who's not, and why, why evangelize, right? Um, and the idea is that He is that we He uses humans, He uses us to uh, uh, spread His spread the gospel, right? And for us to be like, okay, we don't we'll, we'll just sit over here and do nothing because everything is already foreordained. Yeah, that's that's stupid. Like, why why don't we just lay in our bed and just do nothing, right? Like, why do we even live, right? So the idea is that, um, yeah, certainly God already has everything laid out for us, but it's on our responsibility to um, to live, <laughs> to, to live godly life, to uh, live as, as humans. You know, so. so the idea is definitely hard to grasp. With, but, yeah. I remember there was. Um a story that, or something that some a pastor once said that really encouraged me was that idea that like a lot of times, for me like when I struggle with sin in the present, it's easy for me to feel like oh God is, He sees it and He's like upset or something like that. Yeah. But the idea that because God transcends time, when He sees me in my present weakness, it's against the backdrop of like billions and billions of years of where I'll be holy and perfect. I'll be enjoying this like unending intimate relationship with him and so that God like even though he sees our present weakness it's against yeah this larger picture that God sees all of time and how for the rest of eternity like for the you know like this lifetime right now is like this little blip on the dot so that God even though he sees it he does he's not like angry he's not disappointed um, I mean he, he might be, he might be grieving or he is grieving in some weird way but that Ultimately, the presence doesn't just like affect his mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees everything. Uh, I thought that was incredibly encouraging. Yeah. Any other comments, questions before we end? All right, cool. Uh, feel free to ask more questions to myself or Michael <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. Uh, yeah, let's pray. Yeah, Father, thanks for just this doctrine. Um, just at times it's hard to wrap our minds around just your immensity, um, just how big you are. Um, and yeah, we admit that we're just finite creatures. We're the bacteria trying to understand uh, what a human is. Um, and so, uh, 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 yeah, just help us not to be discouraged as we uh, bump into problems, but may we just fully trust in you, uh, knowing that uh, you... Uh, have all things um, um, under control and all things planned. Um, but help us to continually strive to know more about you, uh, that we would just know you more fully and be able to be uh, more worshipful, uh, knowing wh- who we worship. Um, so we pray, Father, that we would just continue to strive uh, to learn more about you and uh, that through that we would be able to grow um, in love and worship for you, Lord. So. Uh, be with us as we um, uh, have service, um, and we thank you for um, all the people here. Uh, we love you in your son's name. Amen.